0: Welcome to Group 3's podcast. During this episode, you will hear from Sydney, Shania, Allison, and Melissa about who gets the Pell. We plan to explain and talk about who gets the Pell Grants and what barriers and issues we see with the Pell Grant and financial aid in general. We are going to do our best to answer some of the great questions you guys have regarding why college price is going up, but the grants aren't, what does it cover, who gets the grant, and more throughout the podcast.
1: Hi everyone, my name is Allison and I'm going to be talking about the beginning of the reading for Who Gets the Pow? It starts off talking about Chloe, a student who is sitting in a cafeteria discussing that she is struggling to find the time to eat. She is very thin and is about to be a first generation college student. Her parents did not have any savings and in order to go to college, Chloe decided that she needed to sell her horse because it was really her only option. Federal government said that her family could afford to put about $2,500 plus into her education. So they gave her a $1,100 Pell Grant and a $777 Wisconsin Higher Education Grant. Her parents were unfortunately divorced and she had to live with her high school boyfriend about 45 minutes away from the actual university in order to provide a life for herself. She had two jobs on top of taking five classes in college, which we all know is quite difficult. So the reading goes on to explain that there are tons of Chloe's out there. In reality, there, are, there were 4 billion Pell Grant recipients, but over the past 20 years, that number has increased to 9 billion Pell Grant recipients. 35 billion Pell Grant expenditures per year give us the impression that Pell Grants are extremely abundant and giving. Currently, the grant buys way less than it used to, and tons of critics are actually now saying that the cost of the Pell is absurd. So, is this grant giving students false hopes? Is it a waste of money? Are students receiving the Pell Grant even being set set side-by-side by side to the people who receive welfare? This is bringing up the question that if these grants are actually putting more of a hindrance on these families who are receiving Pell Grants. Headlines are now stating that millions of dollars within Pell Grants that have been given to students are have been given to students who end up actually dropping out of college and that money is most likely not being given back to the state and the federal government. So now, the questions arise that all this money is getting wasted. And now it brings up the question whether or not Pell Grants should be distributed differently. One student in the reading brought up a good point to bring out that motivation should be given onto students in high school to receive Pell Grants. Because the students who actually want to receive an education will benefit from them and not drop out of college, unlike some that do receive the grant and don't last long at the university. So Michaela brought up a very great question and she states, if more and more people to continue to label Pell Grants as welfare, do you think that the stigma could change in our society and at the government level relating to laws and policies? So in my opinion, I say that if Pell Grants were being labeled as welfare, the stigma may change for people who really need the help and want to receive the help instead of all the million of dollars going down the drain constantly due to students withdrawing from classes, dropping out of college and using that money for other things, such as the student that we read about in the reading that was driving Corvette on his spring break trip. So welfare is really for minimal substance emergency programs most of the time, so like food stamps and housing, but Pell Grants really do not necessarily fit in that category. But the government needs to be able to pay quite the debt that is being considered welfare. So if it was considered welfare, which they are already paying all this money for these grants in general, it's already happening and due to the amount of people that are wasting these Pell Grants.
2: My name is Shania, and I'm going to be discussing some of the critiques and myths surrounding the Pell Grant. So we just heard from Allison that the government fears that a lot of Pell Grant money is being wasted out of the 9 billion students who are receiving it. There are a lot of false stories surrounding students misusing their funds, but Sarah Goldrick-Robb assures us that these myths have little basis in reality and actually divert attention from real issues. So Allison mentioned that this is often, the Pell Grant program is often compared to welfare system, and there's actually a myth that says Um, There are students who apply to colleges around the states and receive Pell Grants, take the money, and then leave and drop out of school, and they treat this as a sort of an income. But this is really, again, not grounded in reality. This is just a myth that is spread by often politicians. Um, But... This got to be such an issue that one president of a university decided to double tuition just to combat this myth of Pell Grant runners, which in reality is super unproductive and affects every single student that attends that university. So the truth is that the US Department of Education's office discovered that an estimated $187 million worth of the Pell Grant funds between the years 2009 and 2012 went to waste. And this sounds like a lot, but it is actually only 0.02% of the money allotted to Pell Grants. So in reality, the waste wasted Pell Grants is not a big issue, and most, almost all of the Pell Grant money is used productively. So these same critics, who are often politicians, have a particular problem with refunds as well. However, they seem to misunderstand the concept of refunds. But Sarah Goldrick-Robb writes that, These checks, the refund checks, are intended to help students with books, supplies, transportation, and other living expenses. They are not truly refunds at all. So like Allison mentioned, um, it is said that some student was seen riding a Corvette around for spring break and that they probably used their refund check to do this. But in reality, students need this refund money for books, supplies. I know I use my refund personally to help my to help pay rent, um, so really it is a necessary thing that Pell Grant recipients receive refunds as well as part of this program. So one other issue that was discussed is that there are a lot of stereotypes that surround who receives the Pell Grant. Um, the author writes that they are often thought of as non-traditional racial or ethnic minorities who are unprepared to attend college, but this is a false and biased image. In reality, the group that receives Pell Grants the most frequently are non-Hispanic white students. People may think that Pell Grant recipients come from the most impoverished families as well, but the sad reality is that most children from impoverished families still don't attend college because it is so hard to get there and stay there as well. Pell Grant recipients are... Considered low income, but in reality the majority of people it serves are part of lower middle class families Only half of Pell recipients live below the poverty line But this does not mean that the rest have enough money to pay for college themselves Or don't need financial aid So several people are asking the same question and this is why has the number of Pell Grant recipients increased dramatically in recent years The answer that Sarah Goldrick-Rob gave us in the chapter is that the financial crash of 2008 took a heavy toll on a lot of families, particularly middle-class families. So I think this explains the increase in the number of Grant recipients and why they come from lower middle-class families. In addition, we have all been reading about how much the price of college has risen since the 1960s, so that is definitely part of the problem here. In addition, the cost of living in general keeps increasing, too, while minimum wage remains an inadequate way to pay for rent, let alone college tuition.
0: My name is Sydney, and I will be focusing on what Pell recipients in public higher education pay for college. The thing that really caught my eye was that almost 70% of Pell recipients are enrolled in public sector, and over time, what they must pay has increased dramatically. While the cost to attend college has continued to increase, the Pell Grant and funds have not, which results in individuals and family having to come up with more and more money to put someone through college, whether it be a two-year or a four-year institution. Obviously, the Pell Grant provides some help, but still, it's coming nowhere near the cost of actually attending college. The chapter mentions that most of the price growth has taken place in non-tuition costs. That means living, books, food, and much more, but all these costs are costs you will somehow have to pay while going to college. These costs are just as important as the actual tuition and at least need to be partially covered in order for students to focus on their schooling and education. The book says that to cover the cost that is remaining, they look to state and the institution. As someone who does not get any help from FAFSA or a Pell Grant, college is very expensive. I turned to Grand Valley and my community for financial help, and even after that, college was way out of reach for me without taking loan after loan. Even after turning to the college and seeing what was available, there isn't much for families in my situation. Yes, the economy has recovered the aid and financial help available to students, doesn't even make a dent in the amount of debt they will come out of college with. Marcus asked, why is the cost of college going up, but the grant amount is staying the same? Personally, I believe it's because things are needing to be upgraded, ran, and maintained at the college, and a lot of that is expensive. With all the new technology, I think, to repair or buy new things, it costs a lot more than it used to. But I think the grant amount is staying the same because there simply is just not enough spending available. Education spending is always taking hits and being cut back and I feel some people really don't see how important the education part is and that's why the grant is staying the same while college is increasing dramatically.
3: My name is Melissa and I will be talking about the Pell Grant on a national level. It is impossible to pay attention to the media today and miss the nation's growing dependence on student loans. Total annual borrowing grew from about $25 billion in the mid-1900s to over $70 billion in 2013 and 2014. Most people are able to pay their loans without falling into delinquency or default. But they're really struggling to make the monthly payments. The purpose of the Pell Grant was to protect students from low-income families from taking out loans. However, more than 40% of Pell recipients in the public sector have at least one federally subsidized loan. Federally subsidized loans are way better than private loans since they have lower variable interest rates, but even so, Pell recipients have been taking out private loans as well. During their first year of college, on average, the loans for Pell recipients have increased from $4,300 to over $6,600. Many of our current politicians, such as Hillary Clinton, argue that they were able to work their way through college with a part-time job and not have to take out any loans. But for today's students, that's not an option. It's been shown that even if a student works full-time in school, which is extremely difficult, they still wouldn't make enough money to pay their tuition costs. 50% of power recipients attending public schools and universities work an average of 25 hours per week. Part-time jobs with flexible hours are becoming harder to find, and the amount of power recipients who are offered work-study jobs is decreasing. One of the questions asked this week was, what are some ways we can help PAL recipients Get to graduation so that more money isn't wasted on incomplete degrees? To answer this question, I think we need to address why Pell recipients aren't graduating in the first place. I think people who are in greater need of Pell grants aren't going to try and go to a prestigious and more expensive university. They're going to go to a community college and or regional public universities. These colleges aren't structured in ways that are responsive to the needs of first-generation low-income students. One of the ways we could fight against this is to hold institutions more accountable for the success of Pell recipients by providing bonuses to the universities with higher Pell Grant recipient graduation rates. Although it's not a perfect answer to the question, I think it could be a good start to improving graduation rates.
2: I hope this has clarified some questions about who receives a Pell Grant and what different issues there are surrounding this whole program because I know it's a complex topic. Thank you for listening to our episode called Who Gets the Pell? This has been Shania, Sydney, Allison, and Melissa.